0: 107 FM
1: Welcome along to The Wise Men's Say here on Spark. I'm Stephen Goldsmith. Tonight I'm joined, as always, by Gareth Barker. Give us an enthusiastic greeting, Gareth.
2: Hi. <laughs> yeah, that was actually quite enthusiastic for me. <laughs> it
1: was, actually, if you've seen it. Uh, and Martin McFadden, editor of The Love Supreme, who's fresh back from Brazil, kind of, Martin.
3: yeah, I, uh, I thought that Gareth's welcome was quite camp, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was certainly unexpected, wasn't it? How was your trip to Brazil?
3: Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. I actually managed to go to no games, though, but um, <laughs> my old man and my sister went to quite a few, but it was just... Um, I felt it was moral to pay £250 to watch mm. some football, but it, it, the fan park's a really good crack, and I ended up just sort of staying mm. there and um, met loads of fans from different countries who were in, like, Fort Elisa and then Natal and then Recife, and um, <coughs> so hung out with loads of Americans, Germans, Japanese... Uh, lots of Uruguayans who told me in- immediately that Suarez was absolutely mental and I was like no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. he said he's gonna do something and he did and um, we were kind of...
1: Not as mental as the Uruguay fans were then went and camped outside his house when yeah. he had been sent home. Well they were
3: camping outside his hotel because it was next door to our hotel we were between the Italy hotel and the Uruguay hotel the night before that game and um, I don't know how the players got any sleep because there was like army on the streets and and everything
1: well, fee, feel free to face more anecdotes <coughs> of it because we're light content tonight. <laughs> so we could just sit here, you know, happily for an hour and, li- and listen to more stories. But listen so, to my rubbish. Yeah, the fan the fan parks good. though. And I, I When I went to Germany in two thousand six, we hung around those a lot. And they're a good invention, finally. A good addition, aren't they? Because they, they weren't around before. Whether the, yeah, you know, definitely. One of the one of the the main issues in Japan and South Korea um, was that there was nothing to do for the for the tourists. So it's well, good to address it. that.
3: I mean, the kind of I was at France 98, that was the first World Cup I went to, and they had they had big screens in the city centres and stuff, but they weren't <clears throat> as big as the fan parks in Germany where there were, you know, 50,000 people could yeah. get in and stuff, but obviously the Germans would do it better, <laughs> like they did last night. And probably the German World Cup's the best organised one I've been to, but that's no surprise. Um, and they had them in the Euros in Holland and also Portugal, but I don't know, I think it was, it was different being in Brazil with the whole sort of, like, passion... The funny thing about the Brazilian fans is that, like, they celebrate every goal, like madly, unless it's scored against them. So if they're just watching a random game, they just love to see goals. But obviously, when they score, it's it's on a different level. It's almost like a a sexual level. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They go mad for about like five minutes. They don't make a lot of noise, but the faces are kind of like look look quite.
1: uh, Did you get any any photos to post of (coughs) of these faces? (laughs) Well, they like Gareth's just done there when he done his hello.
3: Yeah, there was a few <laughs> funny things happening in the fan parks. Was, um, I watched that Portugal USA game, and for some strange reason, even though America were playing well and the fans were quite cool, I was kind of supporting Portugal. <laughs> and because uh, in the Americans we've just been really loud and, and whatever. And uh, anyway, we, we celebrated as if something had scored a goal when uh, Portugal equalised in, in the in the last minute. And then started singing songs. We were singing English songs to them, like You're Not Singing Anymore. Yeah. And they kind of didn't really. No, straight over the head. Well, yeah. they heard what we were saying, but they, they didn't really think it was very funny. I thought we were going to get <laughs> sort of beaten up, so we, we left quite quickly. I only had my dad's to stick <clears> up for me, which he's probably harder than me, to be fair. But Why would
2: you do that? Why would you spoil the, the USA loving and ambience that we've been having on the last three or four episodes of the, of the show?
3: Well I've missed those I, I just, I just, I just <laughs> kind of feel As if like Having been over there Watching something pre seasons and stuff I just feel as if They don't kind of Get football They don't even Call it football You know And obviously Some people are Really into it But I just kind of Like feel as if They, they just haven't Earned it yet
2: Baby
1: <laughs> On the way maybe Controversial mm. We'll have a lot of
2: tweets Actually cause about that Probably a lot of Aggressive tweets So I'll just Direct them towards you Well we, we,
3: d- we did sing To the Portuguese fans You're getting invaded In the morning because well, hope. that's you know that's the Americans for you. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one there. Yeah, they've um, invaded most countries. <laughs> do you think it's G- Gareth and I were talking um, last night about this? Do you think it's something that FIFA should think about when they're sort of deciding? Who should be a host country? You know what 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 they can provide for the tourists because it, it's easy to say. I understand that they want to travel around the world and give companies mm. who don't who wouldn't ordinarily get the opportunity to host World Cups. But it's important that the fans are considered first and foremost as well, isn't it? It's all it's all well and good having the stadiums and being able to put a game on, but like like I say, you know, for, for example, my brother went to Japan and he came home early, sold his yeah, ticket for the said. Argentina game, which is. That should never happen to an England fan because no, basically definitely. there's, there's you know everything was so spread apart and there's not a lot to do. Do you think it's something they've yeah, a responsibility to do?
3: Japan's kind of weird and really expensive anyway. But um, I think there's two different ways to look at it because I, I think they're almost more bothered about like what time the games kick off globally. You know, like some of the games that were kicking off five o'clock over here, it was like one p.m. there mm. in Fortaleza, where it's like 200 miles from the equator. And you don't even want to like leave the house. Um, it's like far too hot to play football obviously it, it is their winter over there but still if you're 200 miles from the equator it's, it's yeah. the, 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 the game's like further south like the one last night you know I think people were people were colder so I think some of the kick off times were a bit ridiculous when you were actually there and <clears throat> you were getting up you know like it's sort of 10 to go to the match I mean uh, obviously we, we have all kinds of kick off times Um after being at the German World Cup, I was almost tempted to say, just, like, have it there every time. It was great. What the to Germany, was good, wasn't I it? I mean, it borders so many countries. There were so many, you know, like, the, the the Dutch were just were commuting to games, you know, and, and it's it's right in the middle of Europe. It has, like, a, a decent road system. But then it is ultimately the World Cup, and you have to kind of, um, like, embrace that. Yeah. And there was big pressure to have one in Africa, and they kind of decided that South Africa was probably the only country with the infrastructure to, to handle it, you know. And But I think the next two World Cups are, like, highly dubious, um russia's like enormous, and the cities are so far apart i've I've traveled there myself and it's 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 not easy to get around um i mean brazil's the fifth biggest country in the world, but- compared to, you know russia's just enormous, and mm. obviously Qatar's just a joke you know and <laughs> i I'd say that both decisions were sort of you know decided through corruption allegedly yeah
1: <laughs> allegedly, Alleged-
3: yeah allegedly yeah. yeah. <laughs> allegedly yeah everything allegedly
1: we mm. so speaking about you know, the the Brazil fans and the reaction to them scoring it would have been quite remarkable. Being there last night, wouldn't it? Did you watch a game? I'm assuming you all watched the game last night.
3: No, no. What <laughs> <laughs> game? It was unbelievable, wasn't it? I mean, I was kind of supporting Brazil after England got knocked out, and having sort of seen how how obsessed the people are with football and just how friendly they were to us. 'cause like so sort of having a bit of a road trip over there mm. and um and watching the Brazil games at the fan park, you couldn't really I mean we went to this market which was kind of like Jackie White's or something about <laughs> the size of that and every <laughs> stall, all the sold were like Brazil tops. Like the ha- every stall sold the same thing. Mm. And they were just selling Brazil tops, Brazil hats and it was just kind of everyone had a Brazil top and it was just you see they couldn't um but obviously they haven't if it was England getting the semi final would be an achievement, but it's it's you know unless they unless they win it it was yeah, a failure you know.
1: This is the need to make the next step up now, I don't they? But similarly similar to that. Like, well, um, I felt it similar to, to Germany because we, I just mentioned now that, that I went to Germany in 2006, and when I grew up I hated Germany. <laughs> you know, you you just did, didn't you? It was kind of drummed, didn't you? That, that you hear Germany. And when I went to the World Cup in 2006, obviously I was I was 25, and just my impression of the German people changed totally because of. You know what they were like to us, like you say. You know how hospitable they were, and um, it just changed my opinion of them totally. And I kind of developed a bit of a soft spot for them, and I feel a bit guilty saying that sometimes. But um, back to the game last night, Gareth and I always knew Brazil were going to lose. To be fair, I didn't expect that though. Yeah, I mean, Brazil have been—they've uh, been ordinary throughout the tournament. They were without the two best players; yeah. it was never going to go yeah. well. Was I
2: it? mean, th- there's a lot of teams who've done enough um, in games to win. I think that's been a, a fundamental thing of the World Cup you've seen teams who've done that Um Brazil like you say lost Neymar and Thiago Silva but they still should have been able to be more competitive than they were Um that was like the you know there's one thing losing you know it was like when Sunderland played Newcastle and we lost Johnny Evans and Phil Bardsley in the morning of the <laughs> game and McShane came in and <laughs> <Mighambon> came <laughs> in we were 2-0 down about 10 minutes or something but they managed to hold it together Um I mean, they, they just—it was like I've never seen a, comp- a capitulation like. Do that. I think Brazil, the
1: d- d- they almost channel their enthusiasm in the wrong way. I don't know. You know, they aren't disciplined with it, and nobody can say that they lack passion. Um, but I mean, they were playing so open, and they try to play a high tempo against Germany, and that's just not going to work, is it?
2: I just think, I think they they've got an issue with the mentality. I, th- I think that they get far too emotional before the start of games. I, th- I think they need it really. Work out how they're going to sort of address that because they just—it's you've got you've got to have a level of motivation to compete. But I mean, when you see them singing the anthems and stuff, it's just—it's too much. Like I don't know how you can actually, you know, sort of um, compose compose yourself yourself to compete Mm, in in a game. And when when you're playing at the top level, players are concentrate the concentration levels that you've got to have. And they're worrying about holding up shirts of players who are injured. I mean, he's injured. Yeah, it it's is almost like an advert on. for them being weakened, isn't it? But uh, I, think,
3: I think the atmosphere nation, seemed flat
1: and everything, didn't it, yeah. compared to normal.
2: As a
3: nation, they're just like so kind of dramatic and emotional anyway that I think they would, it, would be, it would be like that. I just don't think they had enough creativity um, when it came down to it. To like, they'd, they'd, they'd keep like bombing forward and you think somebody's going to do something amazing and then like pick out a shot, but there was really only one player. It was obviously missing last night who was mm. who was capable of like. I don't think Hulk's been very good and obviously the, the show's... <clears throat> the fans showed the kind of attitude towards Fred, so. I thought that was a bit. Fred, did you see
1: Fred's fight. scoring record? It's something like 1 and 2. Before the World Cup, it was something yeah. like 1 and 2. I well, mean, I don't know who he was playing against.
2: I, I, I thought it was a bit poor, really, that they were sort of blaming. Yeah. I think
3: Fred, it's high yeah. standards, though, isn't it? It's th- it was the worst night in Brazilian football history. And, like, we, like, English fans still managed to boo Beckham for a whole season after getting sent off. You mm. had France ninety-eight, so football fans can be like very unforgiven.
1: Just like Gareth says, so it the same a bit. Or the the shipping seven goals at the back, and yeah. they're playing the guy who's the furthest the furthest away from that area, doesn't it? the right, at the other end of the pitch. Yeah, it
2: was it was ridiculously harsh. I thought uh,
1: the, way you, you the way you mentioned there, the way they capitulated. Is there any sort of comparisons we can make with Sunderland just to bring a bit of Sunderland in into, into the shop? Um, and yeah, the five-one Newcastle springs yeah, to mind. I'd
2: say the the four-one is home in the. 15-point season was yeah but that was kind lost. of expected wasn't it no but mm. I mean the way it, it, we were 1-0 up that Everton,
1: and
2: that then Everton a sudden, game
1: away 7-2 oh, or something no it was
2: 7-1 it was you
3: 7-1 we
1: lost 8-0 um, to West Ham was before my time can you remember that Martin
3: we lost 8-0 to Watford Watford am I yeah. thinking of
1: West Ham beat us here two or something. Didn't though, we lose
2: remember. 7-0 and 8, or 6-0 and 8-0 to Watford and West Ham in the space of a Maybe, week or something uh, ridiculous like that? No, I think that was when, we didn't we beat like West Ham
3: in the 70s and Middlesbrough and West Brom or something? I just remember, did
1: Jeff Hurst got score five passes or something? That would have been Probably. a long Probably. time ago, didn't it? Quickly yeah.
3: Google yeah. it,
2: everyone. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, Sunderland got stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Several times. Someone was yeah. getting stuffed <laughs> shock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that in, in recently I would, I would, and the um, again the the Portsmouth game that season as well, the fifteen point, it was just oh, yeah, a capitulation. The second half, two games in in that league where we'd been one 0 up at half time, and twice lost four mm. um, one in the second half. It, it's uh, that's that's mental weakness, is really it. it's it's our most prominent.
3: I think I think one of the things that people forget about last night is is like how good Germany yeah. we were. You oh, know? yeah yeah. And, and like they always seem to have this thing where they just gradually kind of warm their way through a tournament, you know. And and, and you know everyone says like words like efficiency and <laughs> hard work, Arbeit, as they call it, as they say in Germany. But you know they haven't got like the greatest record, <clears throat> you know, compared to Italy and, and Brazil and stuff. But the, you're never going to beat them easily. Um, and I think I think Brazil would just far too open. Mm. And it, but there was a period of the game where it was almost like men against boys and. Sort of like five a side, where they just opening them up ridiculously. Mm. I think
2: Muller's like the best, the most underrated, best player in the world. That's what I would say. <laughs> like I think he's in that t- I think people do regard him in the top bracket, mm. but he, I think he's absolutely phenomenal player. I just think he's fantastic, great player. And someone I'd love if he came to England, I think he'd be he'd be perfect for the English game. Muller, I think he'd be fantastic. Having a,
1: a bit of a mare before he scored as well. I was just about to tweet it. I'm glad he's just
2: great. He takes up <laughs> positions and you know he, he floats about and then you know he gets involved in all areas in, you know of the game and you know his his ability to sniff out an opportunity is just second to none really.
1: Right. Well, every week we speak to bloggers, and journalists from Premier League sites. Maybe, just,
2: just maybe Villa will sign Thomas Muller. Well, so <laughs> was is a it, link. Is it some there. sort of reference because no, I'm sponsored by, by Muller? That's going to go everywhere, no, on no. everybody's head. No, no. Maybe. Well, no, we well, were speaking to Villa. I was saying Muller might would be good in the Premier League. Villa, and Megan sign, and I, think the, Villa I think
1: Villa are going to be more realistic than thinking <laughs> they can sign uh, Muller, let's be honest. But uh, yes, speaking about Villa, we support a Chris Knee, who's got his own Villa podcast. He lined it up for you and he just didn't take did. it. He didn't, I'd already started, Idiot. though. <laughs> he put it in, though, I'd already, already started. I yeah, can't so think he just, once he's on once no, he's well, August in there. Was, I think it was unprofessional by you, personally. Yeah. Right, <laughs> Chris Knee has his own Aston Villa podcast. He's also the editor of the very popular website In Bed With Maradona. You thought you were pessimistic as a Sunderland fan. Here's what Chris said to me earlier on about life at Villa Park. Players at Aston Villa kicked on. Uh, I think I'll include myself certainly in 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 that um, opinion. The opinion that they would do that. Um, a lot of people thought that, but it didn't quite happen, did it?
4: Yeah, I think people really did expect that. We finished the previous season quite strongly. And the idea that we had these youth players coming through and and young players brought in from elsewhere was kind of the prevailing opinion. And we really just didn't kick on at all. I think that the lack of experience really caught up with us. And the the inability to kind of build on that base, you can't go with that kind of strength of team two seasons in a row and and expect to improve, really. And I think we've got found out a little bit and we had some real problems with injuries and it was a a genuine disappointment from beginning to end really
1: So what portion of blame um, does the manager have to take for that then?
4: I actually think he has to take a large portion of the blame I I think by the end of the season the circumstances he's had to work in are, are clear and everybody knows about it but people were feeling that he wasn't getting the best out of what he had and I think Some people thought that that was because he bought badly. I actually think it's more that he he bought reasonably well, and I think he's found a few gems that will, possibly not a villa, but will go on, and once they're 25, 26, will be a real asset somewhere. And he wasn't getting the best out of those. Some of his tactical decisions and his team selections left a little bit to be desired, in my opinion. And even within the circumstances he's had to work with, and and we do recognise those, I think... Had the circumstances at the club generally been different, he would find himself out of a job by
1: now. Mm, interesting. Do you think he he often speaks about uh, how much sort of admiration he has for Martin O'Neill? Um, do you think he's influenced by him as well? His management style.
4: I think that one's a little bit overblown. To be honest, the differences for me are clear. I think that, that Lambert is more modern, although failing slightly at the moment, and. I don't know, the the, the style of football at Villa has been kind of alarmingly similar, although, as you you know well, um, there's more emphasis on width than you would say Lambert does. He he seems to have a total aversion to it, which I think has been costly. Um, But I I think, having seen them both at at close quarters, there are key differences. Um, And although the influence is there, they're certainly not the same manager in different skins.
1: How do you feel about Roy Keane then coming in?
4: Yeah, Roy Keane, really interesting one actually. It's, it's um, a lot of people are speaking about how he he will come in and kind of g up uh, for one of a, a slightly more aggressive term of uh, the players who who need a bit of a kick. But it's the unknown for me. So we know everybody knows Roy Keane as as a player, and and you guys know more than anybody about Roy Keane as as a manager but I don't really know too much about Roy Keane, the coach, and it's going to be really interesting to see how he deals with the players, first of all, but also with Lambert. And and if he can come in and have a positive influence, quite frankly, I think we're going to need all the help we can get.
1: Mm, It is interesting, as as you say, because, I mean, when Roy Keane was Sunderland manager, I mean, he did did a great job here. People often forget that. Um, But I think you're right in saying that, it's it's a bit ambiguous how, how much of that was down to his coaching credentials, really. It was more sort of the positive impact he had, the energy, positive energy he brought, and even that ended up having a shelf life. So it's definitely an interesting one, isn't it?
4: Yeah, he seems keen as well, and I think, sorry for the the pun there, but it's it, he certainly seems like he's eager to kind of progress the coaching side of, of his CV. Uh, he's been very open about kind of stepping in as a number two, working for... Paul Lambert, uh, and I believe his his coaching qualifications, I'm not sure of the timeline exactly, but he's continued to progress with those since leaving Sunderland as well, so who knows, we may be trying to judge a a man doing a job um, who's more ready for it than we might think.
1: What do you think the recruitment uh, is going to be like this year then, because obviously you, you. Kind of go under the radar, Villa with a young players to sign and, and some sort of foreign players. Not many people have heard of. Sunderland done similar last season, uh, and nearly paid for it. Do you, do you expect them to step it up? Because there's been a lot of reporting in the wide media, hasn't there? That he only asked 10 million pound to spend and stuff. And it, 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 the outside impression seems to be that there's a bit of a struggle on there at the moment.
4: Yeah, I think that the reports of 10 million for fees and wages, and I think even that may be a little high. Uh, he's it's funny, but we're a little bit rudderless as a club at the moment, and we seem to be bringing in players who we wouldn't have brought in last year, and the pattern, I believe, for, for recruitment this summer is now established. We will be looking at Joe Coles and Philippe Senderosses and those types. Players whose wages we wouldn't have forked out on last year who are on a free. And I, I think that indicates a, a club that isn't really willing to commit any money now, but is Kind of willing to spend a little bit of money, that becomes active after the owner is supposedly gone.
1: It certainly seems like it's fan expectation levels at the opposite end of the spectrum to to when Lerner first took over and you, you were finishing sixth <laughs> and stuff. What what's a realistic season going to be now? I mean, I guess Aston Villa are in the same sort of pool as Sunderland, where you're just hoping to avoid a relegation battle, probably.
4: I think the idea of avoiding a battle is. Uh, pretty ambitious to be honest I think we'll be lucky to not be relegated next season I think you look at the teams around Villa they're not improving massively but they're improving a bit and and our team is very much standing still and I just think that you look at the teams historically who kind of circle the plug hole they all end up going down eventually four or five seasons of it they all end up going and I've got this horrible feeling that it's our turn
1: Oh dear, that wouldn't be nice. It's been a long time since Aston Villa been relegated. Do you think that's the the general impression around the Villa side of the the Villa half of Birmingham then, generally?
5: Mm.
4: I may be a little more pessimistic than most, but I, I think people are worried. I think people are certain that we will be in a battle at least. Probably quite a sizable proportion think that we we are under threat of going down, and I don't think anybody necessarily thinks differently, but.
6: I've got a real horrible feeling about it. Who's better? Messi
1: or Ronaldo? This is a bit where we acknowledge some of the more predictable debates that float around. If you think who's better, Messi or Ronaldo, is a worthy debate we think you can do better. Um, this week. I'm gonna hand it over to Gareth.
2: Is David <laughs> Louise worth fifty million? <laughs> That's who cares. <laughs> <laughs> Not after last night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he's still a he's still got, you know, something to offer. I mean he's played at the top level for you know for a long time. You know, he's played for Chelsea, he's gone to PSG, he's represented ba- uh, Brazil who were regarded as one of the best teams in the world, regardless of last night's result.
1: And individual performance. Yeah.
2: So you know, sometimes players have bad games. Um You know, people have their own personal opinions on whether he should be playing as centre back. I think he'd done better midfield for Chelsea. He probably did. He he quite possibly did. But at the same time, I just think it's just a bit boring. As soon as someone has a bad game, Um, you know, I think people have scapegoat like the scapegoat footballers. Like if you look at, I think a good example is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Bentner going to to Villa, and you know people are just like, oh, like laughing about it and you just think, well, you know, Benton's a decent player,
1: like... I'd have him back here, would you?
2: Th- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, he was annoyingly lazy, but he, he had a good first touch. Yeah, um, he, was a, he was a decent player. He's not, and I think people like, you know, built this yeah. whole thing up like he's some sort of like, you know, remember that Kevin Francis who used to play for Oxford?
1: And Stockport and... And he was yeah. about Six nine foot, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, and he used to come on like the ten minutes to go and be bad. He's not. He's <laughs> not like that. It's like no, like no, a no, pantomime no. sort of thing.
3: He's decent, but he probably thinks in his own mind that he's like much better
2: than what he is because he's obviously has that whole arrogance. Probably, mm. Mm. but that might s-
1: be what the you know, player he is. But, but yeah. at
2: the same time, you know, that he's he's not he's not as bad as people make. I, mean, I would just think that people sometimes get a bit carried away with. as Soon as someone does something bad, they're the worst thing in the world, and he's not worth fifty million. as Soon as the next time he scores one of those free kicks. um Luis, it'll be what a fantastic, you know, player he is to have in your team because he can do this and he can defend and he can, you know, play in defensive midfield if you want to. Blah blah blah. So yeah, so yeah, leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even. I don't, Gareth he's from all right. the David <laughs> Louis fan yeah. club. No, he's yeah. alright He's just all right. It's just. Uh, I just don't. I just. Uh, it's the ir- irrational reaction that all of a sudden it was. He's not worth this much okay, money. So
1: if you've been griefing him. He's talking to you. You should be ashamed of yourself.
2: Well, I'm not saying he should be ashamed. You know, I'm just saying, (laughs) you know, generally, (laughs) why bother?
1: Right, Okay. We're going to play the Andy and Roundsend drinking game soon, but before that, and we're going to talk more World Cup, we're going to take a visit...
2: We're going to talk about Sunderland at all.
1: Then. Yeah, we will try and squeeze some in, but it's been an even slower week than last week, hasn't it? You know, there's been photos of the players going back to training. You know, unless you want to talk about how nice Seb looks in his new, oh, in his new training gear or something. But um, we're going to take a visit to the flat. This is episode two, and just a backdrop of the information. Steve, shall I do that or shall I just let the so program do that? Well,
2: if you didn't listen last week, uh, Steve Bruce and Paul Pardew um, of uh, due to the financial circumstances have moved into a flat together on the quayside um, and last week uh, Steve Bruce spent all of his um, all of the rent on Trevor Benjamin as a result they've had to um, bring in a flatmate
1: so mm. things do pick up from here as well I've got to say because I've heard it we <laughs> this week yeah. and, uh, we need a, this, this is a creation from Gareth and Craig Clark it was a regular on the show because we got in trouble for Craig for not referencing <laughs> him last week so there you go Craig when this is really bad everybody can blame you okay Episode 2, here we go.
2: Last week on The Flat, Steve Bruce blew the rent on yet another average striker after taking exception to Alan Pardew's disregard for his 10th place certificate of achievement. Now Steve and Alan must acquire another flatmate to help him cover costs. Otherwise, the Geordie dream could be over before it even begins.
5: Well, Alan... It's time we had a good sit-down and a chat about who to bring in, you know. Now there's a few obvious options, if you ask me. Firstly, the boy Alex. He's always reliable, does a job. No, no Steve, no. What, what do you mean? He's he's great at sweeping up. No, Steve. Well, OK. Uh, well, second on my list is the lad Elmo, you know. I'd take him anywhere. He's a nailed-on candidate for the role, if you ask me. That's for sure. I don't think so. Well, the, the boy myla No.
2: After hours of talks Alan finally comes up with a solution that they can both agree on Well he's a perfect candidate He knows what it's like to live amongst the Geordie Nation He knows what it's like to be struggling with the press He knows what it's like to be tired from the the pressures of being manager of a club like Newcastle United He knows what it's like to be abused by 52 fairs and screaming Geordies
5: Absolutely Alan It can only be Big Sam No doubt about it That's for sure
2: Alan and Steve propose the idea to Allardyce Who accepts a one week trial stay at the flat Sam knows he might be in the frame for the Sunderland job
5: In a swap deal with the current incumbent Gus Poyet. This is a great opportunity for me to reacquaint myself with North East I know how rough it can be at Newcastle So I can empathise with Alan At the same time and can have a good chinwag over a couple of pints of gravy with Steve about Sunland. It's an ideal situation for me. Sam moves into the
2: flat the very next day. However, it doesn't take long before Steve Bruce's striker fetish starts to grate on the meat-heavy
5: Lancastrian. How many times, Steve? No, I will not sell Andy to you. Come on, Sam, stop playing hard to get. I know you'll have a good transfer, just like the rest of us. You can have the boy Sagboo... He's a top lad, never let you down. Sagbo, you yeah, must be kidding. How's he going to link up with big Kevin Nolan? No, no, just wait for that offer to come in from Sunland, and I'll be taking the pair of them with me. I can always rely on Kev. But Sam, they'd hound any out for sure. Just look at me, 10th place and I still didn't get the time. Andy wouldn't go there anyway. Proud Geordie that he is.
2: He's right, Sam, and his place up there with the sixty-four thousand and screaming Geordies, roaring us on to another mid-table
5: finish. Soft. They're peers, Andy and Kev will do as I say. Trustworthy lads. Real men. Just how it should be. It's all gravy when it comes to me and my signings. Just you wait and see.
2: Well, as soon as you lose a derby up here, you'll be struggling. We was struggling. Pappis, Tiles, Carlo, Maps...
5: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today.
2: The avatios, Ioan, Dubouch. The list is endless, Sam. They was struggling. they run for giving up here. You should know that.
5: He's right, Sam. Look at me. Tenth place. You don't get a certificate like that for nothing, that's for sure. Ask anyone outside of Sunderland, and they respect the achievement, but not on Wayside, Sam. No, it's all 5 1 there. The bitterness, the hatred, it just doesn't go away. They hound you out. Lose a derby? You two lads really need a man up. I win them. 3 0 at the lane, 3 on the trot. West Stamp Way? They know where they can stick that. They can boo all they want. Take like a barrowful of gravy to me. I'll lap it up. No free news Sam
2: Don't even mention the words round these part, Or season cards will be thrown at me Horses will be punched O still has to keep over mine at times He has the
5: nightmares about Josie Josie you see Alan Now there's a striker you can rely on Sam, how much do you want for him? Surely you'll sell him You're only as good as your strikers
2: Stop talking about strikers It's alright for some I haven't got any Pappis has
5: got a calf problem Shoal moving on "'Lawick's abandoned us. "'Bloody hell, lads. "'I'm not Harry Redknapp. "'Leave me to me gravy, will yous? "'All it is here is strikers and self-pity. "'A man like me, Sam Allardyce, "'can do without losers like you two. "'It's unedifying. "'I could have been Real Madrid manager "'and won the lot if me name was Allardyche, "'and here I am listening to you two "'meekly bemoaning your strikers "'and griefing your supporters. "'I mean, supporters. "'What kind of man with any self-respect "'listens to that lot?' The Stupidest thing Mike did was listen to them and sack me. Now he's lumbered with you. <laughs>
2: you see a man struggling, a man whose position you've been in, and this is what you do. I want you out. I haven't got the power to get rid of you. But if I ask Mike nicely enough, he might get Graham to arrange a deal for me.
5: Aye, you're not the man first, Sam, that's for sure. You have to admire my tenth place achievement. Not belittle it. I once had no strikers too, you know. Little Cess had to go up front. I still got tenth. Tenth bloody place, man. Embarrassing. I'm off lads and I'm taking me bistow with me. And as Sam leaves, with more suitcases than he came in with, all
2: full of quality gravy granules, Steve and Alan are left without a flatmate. And most importantly to Steve, gravyless. The search continues. But who is next in line? Find out next week on The Flat.
5: Come for that one, haven't I? That diagonal ball in and around Xalperia. Pereira who's a very game-right back for Portugal, but he's not the biggest.
1: Andy in an arounds end drinking game. I'll be sad when this is finished. Next week will be the last one, is it? of oh, this we'll week? we keep it going. Can we?
2: There's other commentators, there's other people who are going to say things mm. that we can... Make fun of it over the
1: sky when the Premier League season. Or the notice.
2: BBC, or all the all outlets of uh, mm. football.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um, I was trying. I was trying to be diplomatic about mentioning the uh, various. Mm.
1: <clears throat> well, this one's more in hindsight. No, last night, I don't know if you noticed how often Martin Keown um, got satisfaction by seeing sweeper keeper, and each time he said it, he was more excited <laughs> than the last. Um, and then he wasn't very
2: excited by the end, so no, that tells you about his m- excitement levels at the
1: beginning. I know, but we've never mentioned Martin Keown before as well. Well, so probably a so
2: good reason for that, Stephen. Mm, are you not a fan? Well, he, he I tend to find he just kind of says the same five
1: or six things. Like sweeper Keeper, really. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> maybe we should change the name. Though, the
2: Martin Keown Sweeper Keeper drinking game, we should.
1: No, we should, never
2: should be been to the
6: rounds
1: end.
2: Um, yeah. But, like, Townsend's sort of been off in The last few games, Carlisle and Mataface did the last I, uh, IDV one, I seem to recall. But he be back tonight, will he? Don't so know, to be imagine. honest. I, I hope not. <coughs> oh, I, think, I think you notice
3: with the World Cup, like how much the scrape in the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> with like <laughs> with with people sometimes who you don't. Yeah, that's even just know. the England squad. Well, this is <laughs> it. Sometimes you say, "Well, like, actually, who is he again?"
1: <laughs> some of the buzzwords last night when were Martin mentioned it earlier on, because Germany are playing efficiency gets. Mentioned a lot, although it was It was more than a, an efficient mm. performance yeah. so last night, like, wasn't it? But um, the partisan, a passionate crowd for Brazil as well, gets mentioned, mm. and they kept showing the same female after yeah, every just goal, didn't they? Um, crying, crying yeah. yeah,
2: a lot of crying. They've got a list I mean.
3: of. They've got a list of facts, haven't they? Well, uh, I did like the the summarising with John Ken's for Radio Newcastle for a season, and he used to have like a load of stats he could just like drop in. When, when things weren't happening. Mm. I could do with it. Some with of them were just like made them. up, I'm sure, as yeah. well. <laughs> he, was quite he was quite often worse for wear from the night before.
2: <laughs> mm. I think um, sometimes, I think it was Barry Davis who said, sometimes it's best to, <coughs> to say nothing mm. and just let, let things happen. Um, I think that could be uh, definitely applied in some cases during this uh, World Cup. But I... Um, with the games sort of t- simmering down as well, you haven't had as much um, to laugh at, which is a bit of a shame. See, see what you're saying about it. Townsend will be back tonight, and it'll be a bit of you know disappointing. But um, in some respects, but in others, it's kind of quite exciting because <laughs> you're like waiting for what what's he gonna say? You're waiting for his little things, and it's quite exciting when he says them. It's like a bingo, bit of bingo, and then the drinking game obviously comes into place. you so, what I saw so actually. Clive Tilsley, a very young Clive Tilsley. Um, Commentating on um can mem- on Satan Greavesy, they had this like a uh, sprint. I remember Satan Greavesy. Yeah, vaguely. If anyone is younger than me, which will <laughs> be a lot of people, um, <laughs> th- there was a program called Satan Greavesy, which was like a lunch Saturday lunchtime football program, and uh, there was uh, on that there was this um, race where it was I don't like I want to
1: see who the fastest footballer fastest was, and it was like it yeah. was like um,
2: they had like regional heats. Um, and Craig Russell ran for Sunderland, got the regional heat for the North East, and I think it was quite good because it was like uh, Sean Goat was on there. Ifianu, he remember him? Um, Steve will be in for him next week, maybe. Who knows? Um, and a variety of other. Can't uh, this guy from Hull won it?
1: After that, John Williams of Coventry or something win it or? I think he won. I was yeah. saying
2: this. John, this guy from Hull won the the North East heat. Oh, right, he okay. Hulls in the North apparently, but. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was quite interesting to see Clive Tilsley culminating on uh, just footballers from the early 90s running. Well, can you remember
1: that? Have you seen it again recently? Um, I've seen it again I was going to say, like, that's some, like, no, you know, no, that's it some memories. No, no, it
2: was slightly, yeah, that slightly, um, sort of, seeing Grease was, like, when I was, what, four would have been about eight or nine years old, maybe. So, yeah, I've seen it on YouTube, but it was quite amusing to watch Craig Russell. They were all in full football kit as well, so... They were doing this 100 meter sprint on grass, not on a track. All in full kit of the team that they were representing.
1: They wouldn't, they wouldn't get the insurance to do that now, would they probably? The clubs uh, would put a stop not. on something like that, wouldn't yeah.
3: they? That email probably got lost in the press department. This
1: time. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Right, OK. Um, we mentioned the keeper thing there, and they have been a, a prominent feature at this World Cup, so we wondered why that is, and we asked a, a former pro keeper to tell us. David Priest is from Sunderland, um, he was a goalkeeper for Aberdeen amongst other clubs um, he was a part of the first team squad in the mid-90s we've been wanting him on the show for a while really and we've finally had the chance to catch up with him earlier OK David before we get on to your Sunderland links and, and things uh, we, we're talking about the World Cup uh, a lot on the show over the summer obviously while things are dry on the Sunderland transfer front and it was something Gareth and I were talking about a lot on the show in the last couple of weeks how goalkeepers are coming in more into prominence in this World Cup and the role of a goalkeeper is almost changing now that might just be at the elite level i uh, just want to know what you thought about it
6: well i think obviously it's uh, noise has played a, a big role in that i think um you're right more than more than any position on the pitch i think sort of the uh, goalkeeper's apt become a bit of a chameleon sort of like in in and change his role rather than just being a shot stopper and, and come for crosses that are developing and, you know he, the area that he's having to cover and that he's involved in is it, it, a lot bigger than just his six-yard box, uh, which might be in the case uh, a, a while back. But um, I think it's it's just a it's just a case like I said, it's just a case of, of Noya being he, he's not having to make the big saves. Maybe he's out he's to making especially in the early rounds. But he's uh, to keep himself involved in the game. He's you know he's. He's been his starting position has been further forward, and, and obviously, it's a thing with with German the way they, put, the way they play with a high line. He's, he's been able to, to come out his box and, and, and clean up, and it's uh, it's maybe something that hasn't been seen a great deal in the Premier League.
1: then? Or, or do you think it's just a, a case of you know the, the Germany manager being aware that he could probably get more out of this goalkeeper and it's, it's something he could only ask like maybe an elite goalkeeper to do? Or do you think that the young kid who's now playing in goal at 13, 14 year old might be expected to do more of this thing gradually?
6: Um, I think uh, when uh, I've was, I was seen uh, uh, some stats about goalkeepers and about the saves and and, and it was it was saying that actually the, the goalkeeper hasn't been at, at such a high level. It's been masked by a few really good performances, like Sonoya, like a, a chore for uh, for Mexico. But I just think that it, there's so many great areas where stats are concerned with goalkeepers that it, it's difficult to quantify. I mean, you know, you look at Tim Howard's uh, saves um, that that he made. I think he made 15, 16 saves in one game. But how many of them would you have expected him to make? Mm. That's that's why I was asking myself that there was maybe one for Morales. I think it was um, the rest of them. I think he'd probably be very disappointed if he if he conceded those. Mm. So uh, so it, it's difficult to say. Well, yeah, he's he's just doing his job, or he's he's played really well. And, and I think there's there's other things to be taken in consideration where the uh, you know sweeping up with the batter concerned because.
2: Noise performance in the World Cup, like we've talked about. I guess is a, an example. And then you've got, um, you know, Larice in the Premier League last season was sort of quite forthcoming in his sort of advancing into that sweeper area. Um, sort of now we look at that, it's almost like we've talked about: is this going to be a sea change? Is it? It's sort of we're talking about it, quite trendy almost. When if you look back in the day, it was like, you know, Hagita, who was almost it was almost a comical. Sort of yeah, it can't for
6: Mexico as well. Is yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, <sighs> there's one thing that the likes of Lloris and, and Noya are bringing to goalkeeping. It, it, it's kind of like it's, a, it's a bravery, you know. They're taking up start positions that a little bit further forward, a little bit more advanced. They, obviously, they're they, they're putting a, a little bit more risk to that because you know if uh, the quality of the player they're playing against, they can they can maybe just put the ball over the top and into the goal, but they have been a lot braver, and you know, with the decisions and with the starting positions, and and it's and I think that's that's the way goalkeeping should be. Because for a while, I think goalkeepers there was a lot of pressure on goalkeepers for a, a good decade where the the back pass was thrust on them, and then there was you know every rule change seemed to affect goalkeepers. Now, for a little while, things have settled down, and goalkeepers are just being allowed to develop the game without having to. Uh, Premier League, you know the fast pace of the Premier League, the 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 quality and the pace of the balls come in the box. A lot of the time, it's too it's too good for goalkeepers to come and take. As you, you know, as I found sort of like, um, I think it was sort of when I went to uh, when I went from Sunderland to to Darlington. I immediately, I, the, the first thing I knew was, uh, I noticed was the quality of balls in the box. The court, you know, in training every day at you play with good players who put great balls in the in the box, and you won't be able to come for it. And I dropped down the league a couple of divisions, and, and and the balls aren't as good, and there's a little bit more height on them. It gives you a little bit more time to come and take them. So I think um, for I said it, for a while it was just a, because we're always having to adjust to different rule changes. Now everything's settling down, and, and I think goalkeeper's a lot more confident now.
2: Do you think? Um, I know what you're saying. I think you're right in some respects regarding Howard about his. You know some of the saves that he did make were might have been relatively straightforward as a, a professional goalkeeper sort of saves you'd expect to make, like you say, as a cliche goes. But you know, kids watching the World Cup, I think I think he have been thrust into prominence in you know the, in those performances. Um, the the guy from uh, Algeria who I can't remember the name of unfortunately, um, and uh, the the Nigerian keeper as well, um, cho like you've mentioned, Neuer. Um, how would that performance um, Navas of uh, Costa Rica um, Do you think kids will be watching That and maybe getting a, a buzz For sort of I want to be a goalkeeper and, and you know maybe There'll be a bit of a You know a bit of a burst of young kids Wanting to become goalkeepers
6: Yeah I, th- I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head That's been the, one of the big pluses about the, the goalkeeper Whether you Whether you opinion that uh, you know The, the, keep, the goalkeeper, goalkeeper's being overrated or not I think you've uh, the fact that the performances have been highlighted as much as great as great for goalkeeping in general for years since schmeichel there hasn't really been one standout goalkeeper the one who the, he, he schmeichel made people want to be goalkeepers they looked at him they wanted to be like him and i don't think there's been re- really any goalkeepers like that since noise that now the, the stage is his now you know for the next at least 10 years Ten, fifteen years, he can, he can come and clean up, and he can be the main man. And I think that's that's exactly what. it's neither, goalkeeper's neither a poster boy, and and that's what that's exactly what he is. He's everything that should be a goalkeeper should be. You know, he's calm, he's decisive, he looks big, he looks strong, and uh, and, he, and he just fills his team with confidence, and and obviously fills the opposition with dread. You know, sometimes it, <clears throat> they can put a bit of a mental block up to the strikers thinking how am I going to beat this guy because he is that good. And I think um, yeah, like said, the said, the performances, especially like uh in, to, uh in Nigeria, and I think the standard of the goalkeeper at it, the at the it, it, uh, the unfavored countries it, it's been a great standard. You know, and it's uh, uh, and you've hit in the nail on the head. It was uh, it, it's exactly what goalkeeper needs because I don't like I said, no, nobody wants to be a goalkeeper. It seems that way. Nobody wants to be a goalkeeper, but I think um, people need to realize that you know it's. Um, in, well, in my eyes, i might maybe a bit biased, but <laughs> it's the it most important. Uh, <laughs> it's the most important position on the pitch.
1: Mm, I think um, you
6: look at Krill
2: coming in. And yeah. You know, you can be that. You get Eves a hero, and he, you mm,
1: know. I think Peter Schmeichel's probably the, the last one I can remember who was sort of a list. If you're talking about goalkeepers as far as kids gone. But were you, um, were you always a goalkeeper, David, as a kid growing up?
6: Yeah, I was. I was uh, my, really, because my dad was a goalkeeper, sort of like a like, uh, semi-professional, and then. I just just playing in. The, it, I went out to uh Town Primary School and just playing in the yard there. And, and um, my teacher at the time, uh, Ian Swan, just he asked me. I think it was what, seven or eight. And just asked me if I fancy coming to the train and playing goal, and that was it really.
1: Who were the keepers you were behind at some, and Then you were just a young kid. Was it Tony Corton and maybe or? Yeah.
6: Uh, well, it was initially it was um, Tony Norman and Alec Chamberlain, and and um, the year above me was uh, a lad called Sean Musgrave. Yeah. And uh, and then after that it was um, obviously Shea came for a little bit and, and it was Tony Corton and, uh, and then Lionel one came in when I got injured. Mm.
1: What do you, did, did he teach you how to rush off your line erratically? <laughs> um? <laughs> <laughs> no.
6: I, I think I've learned learned how, how to chuck a great strop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did- did, um, I know you you spend a lot of time at Aberdeen. Were there, were there your your fondest days, your fondest memories as a player?
6: Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think because Sunderland's my hometown team, you know, I was a season ticket holder before I signed for them, and I think the uh, I'll be be honest, the devastation of, of leaving, you know, it sort of tainted me time at the club. You know, I mean. The last couple of seasons, I broke my arm twice, and, and, and things didn't really go great, and it took me a, a while to recover from. I had sort of a pin and a plate put in my arm, and it took me a while to sort of to, to recover uh, from that really. And it was uh, it was devastating to leave, and it was one of the big motivations about you know just sort of driving on and and, and making a career for myself was, was was really the the day that I left Sunderland, and um, and going to Darlington was probably the biggest learning curve for us the two years I had there but you're, you know, you're probably right that the, the, the club that I'm you know, so maybe as close as to professionally and uh, became a big fan of really since I left it was, uh, it was Aberdeen so just, just enjoy my time up there and, and not that it was all sweetness and light like when I went up there either but I think just the fact that you know you have a bit of a hard time and, pull, and turn things around it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's
1: become a bit of a special club for us mm, That's good to hear so what, did, what have you just remind people what you've been doing and what your plans are now
6: well, the minute I'm, uh, I'm sort of still on the playing staff and, and, and coaching at Lincoln City, um, being there for eighteen months and re- really enjoying it. Actually, really enjoying it. it just been my first step steps into coaching, and it's um, it's something that I've, I've got my heart set on. I think it's, since I was a since I was a kid, you know, playing championship manager, with, hmm. with my suit on in, in the in the living room. <laughs> We've uh,
1: all done that, yeah. <laughs>
6: um, it's it's always been ambition to to. to be a coach in, in management, and go to management, and we'll see uh, see where that takes us. Uh, obviously, I, I, I did me, uh, I did a journalism degree, with the PFA a few years back, so I've been sort of um, using that and writing for different different publications and, and doing bits and bobs in the media. So it's that's something I really enjoy as well. Really enjoy that.
1: Mm, nice to keep your options open, I guess. And I, ideally, ideally, maybe end up back at Sunderland and put a few wrongs right.
6: Yeah. Well. I, 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 uh, and say you should never go back. But it, it is it's, uh, whatever, whatever I felt at the time when I left the club. You know, it was, it's it's always a uh, it's my hometown club. You can never change that. You know, you, you never change what's running through your veins. Like you know, so it's it, it would be nice. And I meant it's not different club than
1: David I've us earlier on right, a couple of things to brush over now before the end of the show there's a game tonight obviously Holland Argentina <coughs> a couple of minutes on that anybody got any preferences
2: um, I think Argentina will go through and, do you uh, want them to go through um, I don't mind I, I'm, not, I'm not a really big fan of Van Al to be honest don't like the cut of his jib
1: <laughs> that's just because it's popular to like him at the moment no, he's no, just going it's against not. Th- the grain
2: I don't know I just don't Really, uh, don't really, I think he's going to be insufferable when he goes to Man United, Like it's just going to be like an a, a ego fest at he's
3: Man United. I think he's got a lot of turn though, hasn't he? I mean, if he does well there, like if they're a fair play to him after the season they had last mm-hmm. year.
1: No um, European football is going to be huge for them though, I expect them to, you know, because it really helped yeah. Liverpool last year and aided their title challenge, didn't it? That's true. That's but true. Um, I d- Martin, any preferences who you want to win? I, I want them. I want to see Holland win purely because it will be a Holland-Germany final yeah. and there's no love lost between those two nations. In the, in, the same, in the same regard, had Brazil won last night, I would have wanted Argentina yeah. to win. So those two would have met in the well, final.
2: If, if Argentina will play Brazil in the, the third and fourth place playoff.
1: So, so you'll happens. get both, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it, last yeah, but
3: that's always a non-event. It's quite weird, isn't it? Because the, the South American teams <clears throat> and some of the Central American teams like Costa Rica and stuff were doing like, really, really well and then all of a sudden it looks like it could well be like an all-European final, and everyone was saying odds oh, because of the heat. And mm. but as as the tournament's gone on, like class has shown, I I don't really know who I'm supporting tonight. But that's the great thing about the World Cup—you can change teams at mm. half-time, li- <laughs> like, like following Sunderland. Yeah,
1: mm. or change teams as the goals go in.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've decided they're better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do we think any? D-
3: I think I Argentina will do it. Yeah, I do think, you? I think you're right. They, I mean, they, they've they've got like their best players better than Holland's best player. Um, and sometimes that's you know that's what counts. Like Brazil were missing theirs last night, and I think like the Germans weren't afraid of them at all, you know. But um, I think it'll be very close, and there's quite a lot of history between them as well, and in, in big key games like the '78 final and stuff. But um, I always think Holland probably deserve to have won.
1: I'd like to see like, them like, like, win like, just like a yeah, World yeah. Cup at yeah, some yeah.
3: point for the, the the great teams that they've had in this. You know, the, the, they've got a tiny population compared to. You know, Brazil's got 200 million. Holland's, like, hasn't got a lot of people. I don't know how many, but if you think that, like, Brazil have won it so many times and Italy have won it so many times, it would be nice to see Holland win it, but I think it'll be close. But Argentina will probably.
1: Wouldn't be surprised to see this one go to penalties, to be honest. But you mentioned there the the third and fourth game, normally being a bit of a, you know, damn squid, Mm. really. But, I mean, with Brazil suffering that loss, it won't be like that this time, will it? You you would have thought they're gonna have yeah, to restore some well, pride, you know, pretty quickly.
2: The last thing they want to do, I mean, is Thiago Silva back for the Yeah, he will I be, was yeah. But he's suspended, yeah. was he yeah. suspended? Yeah. okay. Um I wouldn't
3: be surprised to see like all the older players that'll never play for Brazil again, like not feature anything. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think it's such a massive thing that's th- like if England were in this game it would be quite big, you know what I mean? Like with their sort of like history. But um I think even losing the final would be classed as a major failure in, in Brazil. Um so I, I I don't think people will even be bothered about it over there.
2: Mm. I think if they play in Argentina I think people, yeah, uh, still, if they if they got if they, got if they got you know a heavy defeat to Argentina I think I think after the the battering off Germany I think I don't think it would go down very well yeah. at all. I think I just think it's always been a
3: bit of a weird game where you're not going to achieve anything, you know. Like you saw, sort of, hey, we finished third in the World Cup. It's not really, you know, we, we missed out on the final. I think players will start thinking about not wanting to get injured for the season ahead and stuff like that. And I think it's an opportunity to blood some youngsters.
1: I've mm, heard all of this before, haven't we? Just talking about Brazil and not England now. <laughs> uh, Move on to Sutherland now. spend the last couple of minutes on you know being a very slow week again. Sutherland. Yeah, as it was last week. Um, just because we, I guess, we're supposed to talk about suddenly and we haven't really done that. Um, no, what would people hope to see in the next couple of weeks? What movement uh, regarding transfers? What play, What positions need strengthening and stuff?
2: I think they need. I think it'd be good to see Alonso appear. Is that going to
1: happen? Score. Is that going to happen? The longer that goes on, the more even the more you worry will. about
2: it. I feel it will happen. Well,
3: yeah. funny enough, I was before I went to Brazil. I was in Italy and I was in Florence and a taxi driver in Florence said there was no way it was going to happen. But I think he was trying to wind us up. Oh, right, okay. <laughs>
2: well, taxi drivers know everything. as we. Yeah, go, but know. I suppose that's his, you know, that, that's that, that's his parent club, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think, um, I think, you know, that there's probably a deal to be done with Diakidi. I don't know what the situation is there. I'd like to see him come in. Um, I'd like to see Virginia come
1: in. That's a surprisingly mm. quiet one, isn't it? Because everybody assumed that was going to,
2: is that not done?
1: Or yeah, I, don't I don't think, think I don't, I don't think, think it so. It is. But has he is he with the Argentina squad? I read that somewhere. Uh, like just training with them yeah. or something. Uh, not in the squad itself, but he's had
3: some line, like line at the end of the season saying that it would be like one of the the first deals he wanted to do. But yeah. I think I think as contracts don't end, you know, until or start until the first of yeah. July, you always get that thing where they've just been paid the wages, you know, up until then, mm. and and very little happens until you know. Sort of like the start of July. I know we're there now, but it's it's amazing how when you go and watch pre-season games, how many players feature in those that never end up playing for you that for that season. So you'll go to the games and you'll start thinking, yeah, well, actually, he could probably do a, a job mm-hmm. at right back, or like he's he's looked all right, he looks fit. And then the next week they go and sell him and, and bring somebody else who's been playing for somebody else. But um,
1: they couldn't have done it's that last season under Canio because we had three games.
0: <laughs> <Well>, Three <laughs> <laughs> friendlies <laughs> didn't like. Proper he played, friendlies, yeah, and he uh,
3: played a lot of players in those games. i not never played again. Yeah, I quite like the Poyard thing about how he's got two games in twenty-four hours, and he's going to give everybody a mm-hmm. run out in that time. Because I think initially people thought one of them was like a reserve game. Is it uh, yeah. Carlisle and Hartlepool? And I think that's, I think he did that at Brighton as well. It's, it's a good theory because quite often, you know, you'll go up to Edinburgh and someone will come on and play Hibs, and uh, or Hearts or whatever, and then someone will come on for like eight minutes. And then, they'll, and then they'll play a full game the next time and you think what was the point in taking them up there yeah. you know, to sit in a bus and well, with, with this one he'll obviously just take the players who are going to play and then everyone will get like a full run out that week um, and I think there's you know, I mean obviously just having a proper pre-season um, would be good after last year's sort of like lack of preparation <laughs> under the crazy Italian but um, it'll be interesting to see what Poyot does this year because obviously people believe in him now he's probably got quite a strong
1: Still of got a lot to do point. on the transfer front, has not he? Because I mean, was, I mean Lee Congerton sort of alluded to the fact that yeah, were we to go out and sign maybe Barini and another centre midfielder to replace Key mm. from last season, we're still only sort of level footing then from where we were last season, aren't we? Where ideally you would like to be stepping up every that's season. On, that's you?
2: only if they get, um, if, only if they got Alonso and Virginie really, because. But
1: and a midfielder got, and a forward, forward yeah. You
2: got you got to get those two and we'll
3: a midfielder and, catch and a forward. Obama. Need to bring some numbers in for sure, but it, it'll be nice just to kind of start the season if we are prepared and we've got the numbers in, just to sort of see what Poet's capable of, capable of on a on a full season because he's obviously not like <clears throat> managing the top flight as much as what he's done in the in like the lower leagues and he's kind of like by having that time at the end of last season, he, he's he's kind of like put his brand of football put his stamp down but there's going to be so many players coming and going he's going to like, he's gonna have to reassess that
1: mm. well hopefully I something think, will happen
2: yeah I mean the Rodwell rumour that was going around I mean he's a uh, we've spoken about him before and we're both fans
1: so. great yeah. Yeah. hopefully something will happen in the next couple of weeks so we've got something at talk because at this rate we're only going to have the World Cup final to talk friendly, about next week so. yeah, yeah the friendlies yeah. yeah we'll work something out I'm sure
3: massive match at Darlow, man yeah. yeah week on Saturday
1: I'd like to thank Martin for coming in. And Gareth, as always, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Over and out.
0: We are sparred.